with our reintroduction of the precious blood at this Mass, um, gives us a chance to look at what we do and why we do what we do. In the last couple weeks, uh, as I've spoken about our issues here, I talked about the need for us as a community to truly be a community. And the number one way we become a community is at this table, where when we receive communion, we truly become in union with one another, co-union, in union with each other. And everything we do is geared around, all of our symbols, all of our actions, are geared around showing us that unity. Gestures have meaning. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, this, uh, or whether me standing like this, or you standing in the, what's called the Oron's position, the prayer position when we pray the Our Father. All of that's designed that we do the same thing as a community so that externally we're revealing our unity. When we come to communion, we don't have a communion line. In this book, the Roman Missal, which gives us all of the whole first part of this, this is all the rules about saying Mass. And we priests have to know every single one of them. And the reason it's so long is that it explains in great detail what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. It guarantees that when you go to Mass anywhere, if the priest is following the rules, that Masses are the same everywhere so that we can be in union, not only within a parish, but with the whole church. So when we come up, never in these instructions does it call it the communion line. It's called the communion procession. Because what we're doing as we come up here, what we're acting out, is our procession to the kingdom of God. And it's... And Nothing is to distract us in that procession. You know, it even says that, we, that in terms of picking music, we should never have music during the communion procession that requires us to hold a book. No, no hymn books, no sheets of paper. Now, we're kind of lucky we've got our song boards up here because we need to be free to act in union. That's why the, the church is very big on even how we receive communion. Should be an external sign that we're in union. Now in the United States, it asks that what we do is we approach the Eucharist, slight bow, slight bow is head and shoulders, profound bow is from the waist, but a slight bow, we step forward, the priest, the deacon, the extraordinary ministers announce the body of Christ, or the blood of Christ, and, and everybody responds, Amen. Then you receive the Eucharist, step aside, you take it, or you take the cup, you hand it back. And it's a way of we're all doing the same thing the same way. Now the instructions do provide for people that their personal piety can't let... It's a little, kind of a negative statement, but it says that people can still receive on the tongue. Uh, that we don't take that away. Uh, but it's the exception. It's listed as an exception in here, not the rule. And it, it's not one way is good, better, best. 
The point is, what we do, we do the same. Now, over time, some of the things that have happened uh, in, our, in our Mass is that we've started adding ritual where there is no ritual proscribed for us. Now, we, in our training sessions with the Extraordinary Ministers, uh, one of the things we talked about was leaving the altar. When the Extraordinary Ministers leave the altar, they line up, and then everybody waits for the tabernacle to be closed. Everything stops, we all bow, and then they turn around and leave. Well, in point of fact, that's not supposed to happen. Then the, the ritual tells us that once we've received the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, once we've received the Eucharist, we are to return to our place to either sit or kneel in a comfortable position so that we can meditate on the Lord whom we've just received. And there shouldn't be anything that distracts us in our personal prayer of having just received the Lord until we all stand for the closing prayer. But that's, that's your time at Mass to ponder the Lord. And what we've done, we've had a little ritual creep where we've made a ritual from getting the Blessed Sacrament over to the tabernacle. Well, it's not, it's not a ritual, it's just a task. We have to get it from here to there. But again, our gestures have to be very careful because our gestures make a statement. In terms of when do we genuflect at the tabernacle? Well, we genuflect when we come in, we genuflect when we leave. Now, in terms of processing in, the priest and the deacons, you genuflect when the tabernacle is in the middle. You don't genuflect when it's to the side. We've already genuflected. We've come in, I've passed it. Well, I can't genuflect, but, um, you know, but we make a reverence and we go about our business. Now, what happens when we make a ritual out of getting the Blessed Sacrament from the altar to the tabernacle? It means, it, externally and symbolically, it means what we're doing at the tabernacle is more important than the Eucharist we've just received. So we have to be careful. We don't want anything to take away from the fact that we have just ingested the body of Christ. We're to pay attention to that. Many people sit and close their eyes and have no clue when the Blessed Sacrament's being taken over there. And the protocol is very clear that as long as there are unpurified vessels on the altar, when the deacon or the extraordinary minister go and put the Eucharist back in the tabernacle, they put it in, they close the door, and they're not supposed to genuflect. Because again, it's saying what they just put in there is more important than the Blessed Sacrament that still remains on the altar. So, you know, we always want to be mindful of our gestures because they, they say things to us externally. Now, am I saying what we have over there is unimportant? Absolutely not. It's of equal importance. We just don't want to say it's more important than what remains on this altar. Now, so after communion, after you've received your communion, adopt a posture in which you are comfortable and spend that time 
in prayer, talking to the Lord you've just received. Um, and don't worry about the tabernacle. Now, if the Blessed Sacrament Chapel were still back there, yeah, it would be more than merely going from here to there. The Blessed Sacrament would be carried back there and be preceded by candles. Uh, so that's a, a little bit different. But the most important thing is to remember that we're called to be in communion. One of the complaints I get here and there is everybody's up before Mass, everybody's up and talking and, you know, carrying on and visiting. Um, a lot of the parishes, it's like an enforced silence. You know, no, no, you don't talk, you don't do anything. It's just dead quiet. Um, there is no rule that covers that in here. But one of the reasons, you know, I haven't insisted upon silence when people first come in it's because of that notion is the highest aim of our Eucharist is becoming in unity with each other as we receive the body of Christ. Once we receive the body of Christ, we become, as a community, the body of Christ. You know, and part of that, you know, we've got a nice narthex back there, but we don't have a place for all of you to stand out there and talk. But one of the reasons is, is that it enables people to say hello to each other, to begin that process of communal prayer. Now, another th the Eucharist is not about private prayer. We don't come here at, at Mass for private prayer, except from the time we receive communion until the closing prayer. That's the only private prayer time. We come, we are here in communal prayer not private prayer. Communal prayer, we're with each other. And I know there's a lot of us have sensibilities. A lot of us would like it to be quiet and a little more meditative. And we're working on that, John and myself. Uh, they're starting to say, we invite everyone to please be seated, prepare yourself for Mass, then we have a few moments of quiet. And, you know, then John stands up and, or somebody and says, turn to those around you and tell them you love them. And usually I turn to the deacon and said, well, only if you really do. We build community so that we can have our communal prayer. And we just want to be mindful as we reintroduce the cup that it just strengthens that whole sense of what we're about. Do you have to receive from the cup? Absolutely not. The body, soul, and divinity, the whole of Christ is in the bread and in the wine. Those with celiac disease, those who are concerned about their gluten, you know, now we do provide low-gluten hosts. If you ever require low-gluten hosts, you just come to the main aisle, the deacon and I are there, and the server has the host. But there's an option. But we ask you to use your head as well. You know, if you come in and you're sneezing and blowing your nose, probably wouldn't be a good idea to receive from the cup. So we are mindful of each other. As we do introduce it, it might be uh, a little awkward at first. We're only going to have four cups uh, initially, and we'll just see how many people want to receive from it. We can add, we can add. Um, but just know that we're starting. It's been a long time since we've had the cup, so it might be a little clumsy at first. But we'll be clumsy with reverence.